All right, Tabosai, good morning. We're going to uh, we're going to begin. So, first of all, a uh, a special yashikoach to Said, and I think to uh, to Bar Fishla this morning, and to Yecheskel who provided some of the mazonos as well. But really, a special thank you to Said. I I I, uh, I WhatsApped Said yesterday. As, yes, thank you, thank you. I just wanted to get, I wanted to get that in. So, j- just that Baruch uh, Hashem on a day like this, when we have like a couple of hours to sit and to learn together. Just kidding. Right, to, to go ahead and uh, and Baruch Hashem to uh, prepare a nice breakfast and say, eat, of course, Kedarko. You know, some people you ask them for something like two hours before the shir and they'll huh. Sa'id, I could have called him up this morning and he would have gone ahead and had it done, Baruch Hashem. So an incredible yashikoch to Sa'id for doing this. And a yashikoch to our, to our co-sponsors. The breakfast this morning, sponsored by the, the Cones, Baruch Hashem, just in honor of Torah. In honor of Torah and a thank you to Sa'id. And uh, co-sponsored by the Silvers. This might sound a little bit strange, but I'm actually sponsoring in honor of my anniversary, which Baruch Hashem is. And the truth is, I, I, I told my wife that I was sponsoring the, def, the breakfast on my anniversary. She's like, yeah, and what else? <laughs> so, so, the, uh, so the truth is, I'm doing it because, Mamish, I have incredible akars I told to my wife because I would not have done anything in life, let alone be able to prepare a shir every single day if she would not shoulder the overwhelming majority of life responsibilities. So, Baruch Hashem, I dedicate this sponsorship and HaKadosh Baruch Hu should just give her many more years. An incredible koach to be able to raise our family and Halavai to be able to give me the time to be able to share Torah with all of you. Jewelry stores are open tonight. Jewelry stores are open, yes. Thank you, Feel free to pick something up. Alright, so let's, let's go a little bit weiter. The truth is, I believe it's not about the Gashmius. You know, it's... I could say that here, right? So, so, the, so, so let's pick up. So today's daf is daf lam Aleph. Oh, and we also we dedicate our learning as a zechus for Rafua Shlema for Avram Yeshaya Ben Shira Yehudis. We hope that on the merit of our collective Torah, the Chola will have a complete and enduring Rafua. So as he says, the Gemara Bo Bayom, Bo Bayom Darash Rabbi Yosho Ben Horkinus Shalo Avad Eov. So Rabbi, remember again, the Mishnah recorded an interesting machlokas regarding whether or not Eov went ahead and worshipped Hakadosh Baruch Hu out of Ava or out of Yira. Did he worship Hakadosh Baruch Hu out of a sense of love or a sense of fear or reverence? So if you remember again, it all came down to how the Gemara understood a particular pasuk. The pasuk. The pasuk that the, that the Mishnah quoted from Eov was Hin Yikdeleni, even if Hakadosh Baruch Hu would kill me, Lo Ayachel. Now the word Lo, the word Lo is sometimes written Lamed Aleph, sometimes written Lamed Vav. If you read it Lamed Vav, Lo Ayachel means even if Hakadosh Baruch Hu would take my life. I would still pine for him, meaning my commitment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu defies everything. Even if I were to take my life, I would still love him. On the other hand, if you read it, Lo Ayachel, with Lamed Aleph, then it means HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if you took my life, do you think I would still pine for you? Meaning, I love you, but I don't love you that much. So again, the Shaila was, did you have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of Ava or out of Yira? So it says, the Gemara Belech, say hi, Lo, Iba Lamed Aleph, Ksiv, Lo, Iba Lamed Vav, Ksiv, Lo, so it says, I don't understand, what's the shayla? If it's written Lamed Aleph, it means no. If it's written Lamed Vav, it means to him. So if it's written Lo Ayachel Lamed Aleph, it means that I love you, but even that love has certain limitations. Versus if he says Lamed Vav, 
Tiyakadashparaku, I pine no matter what happens in life. That means he loves Akadashparaku again, independent of his life circumstances. So why why is this a machlokas? Why don't you just look at how the word itself is written? To which the Gemara says, well, is that true? Is that true that every single time the word is written, Lamid Aleph means no? Ha, the Gemara says, Ela me'ata, Bechal tzara sam lo tzar. Dechsid belamid Aleph, Ha chenami delohu. So both say, so the Gemara, now the Gemara wants to flow something very interesting, which is, that answer that the Gemara just gave is presupposing that every single time the word was written, Lamid Aleph, Lo means no. So is that true? The Gemara says every single time it's written Lamed Aleph, that means no. What about the following Pasuk? So the Gemara now here quotes a Pasuk from Mishayo. So the Pasuk says, Bechol Tsarasam Lo Tsar. Now, both say, now, literally, if you read it like this, it could, it would, the way it would read is, in all of Klal Yisrael's suffering, lo, lamid alif, lo tsar. It doesn't bother HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So is that true? Is that true that literally if Klal Yisrael suffers, it doesn't bother HaKadosh Baruch Hu? HaChinami delohu. V'chitem HaChinami. Maybe you'll say in HaChinami. Maybe that's the rebuke that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving to Klal Yisrael in Yeshayah. Remember, Yeshayah is the Navi who gives incredible amounts of rebuke to Klal Yisrael. Maybe he's saying, God is so angry with you that he's become even indifferent to your suffering. That can be Vahaksid, the Pasik says, Umalach Panav Hoshiim. And what's the name? What the Gemara is doing is quoting the rest of the Pasik. The rest of the Pasik is Umalach Panav Hoshiim. Literally, Akhlish Baruch instructs the Malach to turn his face towards Kalali Swan to Sa'en to save them. Bahavaso Ubechamlaso Huga Alam. In his love and his concern for us, he redeems us. So the rest of the Pasuk clearly tells us, watch Abosai, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does care. Therefore, lo, even though it's written Lamed Aleph, cannot just simply mean that God is not interested, that God is uninterested. Rather, what do you see from here? Ela mashmahachi u mashmahachi. Abosai, this is very interesting. Rather, what do you see from here? You see that the word Lamed Aleph, lo, sometimes lo means no, and sometimes lo is interpreted as how even Lamed Aleph sometimes is interpreted as Lamid Vav to him. As such, the Gemara says, that's why there is the ambiguity regarding Eov. So when Eov says, Hain yikteleni, lo ayachel. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu were to take my life, lo ayachel, does that mean, lo ayachel, lamid vav, ribono she'olam, I'm yours. I'm yours, no matter what you do to me, I'm yours. Or is it lo ayachel saying, ribono she'olam, there's a certain point in time after so much suffering, I don't know if I can still have a connection to you. That's the Machlo Kesar and that's the fundamental dispute. Did Eov serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of Ava? Did he serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of love or did he serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of Yira, out of Yira? Both say, you have to understand something. What the Mishnah is highlighting over here is the following. Both Ava and Yira are incredible ways, incredible dirachim, incredible pathways to service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Here's the difference. At some point in time, the concern if a person worships HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of Yira, out of fear, is what? At some point in time, a person could be tired of living in fear. No one likes to live in fear. And at some point in time, the concern is that if my relationship with the Kodesh Baruch Hu is about Yira, at some point in time, I may just say, I don't want this anymore. As opposed to when a person serves the Kodesh Baruch Hu out of love. Love is an emotion that constantly endures. Love is an emotion at the end of the day. Which, again, even if things don't go my way in life, if the underpinning of the relationship is Ava, then by definition, I want to maintain that Tevekis even when things in life are not going so well. So that's the fundamental machlokes about the nature of the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Eov. So the Gemara continues with this. Tanya, 
Rebbe Meir Omer Rebbe Meir says, so Rabbi Meir says, it says that Eov was Yerei Elohim, and it says that Avram was Yerei Elohim. Now, this is an amazing statement. So this is so interesting. Just like when it says Yerei Elohim by Avram, it means what? It means Ahava. Yerei doesn't mean Avram Avinu, doesn't mean that he feared HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but rather, again, it means that he had a sense of love with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Yerei Elohim, that's said by Eov, also means the Ahava, also means out of love. I asks the Gemara, the Avram Gufei Minolan. How do you know that Avram Avinu worshipped Hakadosh Baruch Hu out of Ava? Dichsev Zera Avraham Ohavi. To which the Gemara says, because the pasuk in Shayo speaks out Klal Yisrael as the offspring of Avraham who loved me. Ohavi, the one who loved me. See, so see that Hakadosh Baruch Hu refers to Avram Avinu as someone who loved him and not someone who feared him. So the Gemara says, My Ika bin Oseme Ava Ira. So asks the Gemara again. So now both like the Gemara is not asking over here what is the difference in the quality of the individual. Meaning clearly there's a difference between someone who serves a Khalish Baruch out of Yira versus someone who serves out of Ava. On the most basic level, someone who serves out of Yira, and I will say, if you remember again, we saw. This is why it's important to come at 545, because we saw this, right? We spoke about Yiras Hashem. And we spoke about that in Yiras Hashem there are two levels. What are the two levels? There's Yiras HaOnesh and Yiras HaRomimus. There is a fear of punishment. And there's a fear, but it's not really a fear. There's a reverence. There's an awe that's generated by contemplation of the greatness of the Rivono Shal Olam. So understand over here, we're not necessarily talking about Yira of Onesh. Yira of Onesh, we understand that's a very short-sighted relationship with God because at some point in time, a person is going to want to stop living with fear. The Gemara says, but qualitatively, or I should say, I should say from, a, from a results perspective, what is the distinction ultimately, again, between one who serves HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of Yira versus one who serves out of Ava. Now, again, remember, in the Ramchal, we discussed extensively the distinction between these two forms, <coughs> these two forms of Avodah Hashem. Now the Gemara is asking from Schar perspective, what is the distinction? So it says the Gemara, Ika, Ika HaDesanya, Rabbi Shimon Allah, Rabbi Shimon Allah says, Godel HaOsem Ava Yosem Ena Osem Yira. The one who serves HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of Ava, out of love, is greater than the one who serves HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of fear, out of Yira. How so? Shezet Taloi Le'elef Dor, because the one who serves HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of fear, he generates schar for 1,000 generations. And the one who serves out of, for HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of love generates schar for what? For 2,000 generations. So the Gemara says, here it says, here it says, So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'll go ahead and I will, I will give schar la'alafim. La'alafim ultimately meaning again for 2,000, uh, la'alafim means thousands. The minimum of thousands is is 2,000. So you see from here that those who go ahead and serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu again out of love ultimately are given at least 2,000 generations of schar. But it says, But yet, again, it says, but ultimately, that those who serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of Yira are given reward for what? Are given reward for 1,000 generations. I says the Gemara Hasanami Ksev Leohavav Ulu Shomrei Mitzvah Li Elavdar. But in that same pasuk, when he speaks about Yira, it ultimately also discusses Ava, and it says by Ava that Hakadosh Baruch Hu will reward them for a thousand generations. To which the Gemara says, "Highly the Samichlei, highly the Samichlei." We look at context, 
And since in the context of a thousand generations, the primary discussion is regarding those who serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of Yira, therefore the understanding is that if you serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of Yira, the reward extends for a thousand generations versus out of Ava for two thousand generations. So we'll say bottom line is Baruch Hashem, either way there is incredible schar for those who serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Again, a thousand generations is not bad either. But the idea ultimately is that one who serves HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of a sense of Ava, out of a sense of love, not out of a sense of fear, be it fear of Onesh or even fear of Romimus. So ultimately, one who serves out of love, that type of relation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a lasting impact on an individual and on future generations as well. So the Gemara says the following, just so you should know, you know, by the way, that life, of course, proper relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a mixture of both. You need Ava, but you also have Yira. We'll say, why do you need both? And this is very important, because if all you have is Ava, if all you have is Ava, Ava is great as long as you're into serving God. But the moment that you're not into serving God, then what happens? Just like Maisen Macholium, what do you hear? People fall out of love. So you ever hear that expression? So uh, again, so what, what does that mean, people fall out of love? So more often than not, what that means is, people have tired of trying to remain in love. Therefore, they have fallen out of love. Falling out of love often is the result of not trying hard enough to remain in love. Okay, there are exceptions to that as well. So with HaKadosh Baruch Hu also. It's nice to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of Ava. But what happens, we'll say, if the alarm goes off at 5.05 in the morning, and I'm just not feeling so in love, right? I'm just not feeling it. So what, what, what happens then? So we'll say, that's where Yira kicks in. And Yira kicks in and says, get out of bed because this is something I have to do. Not because I'm going to get patched if I don't do it. That's not how HaKadosh Baruch Hu works. But that, again, Yira says, I have responsibilities. And we'll respons- say, this is a very important episode. And this is sometimes why we don't pick up enough traction in our Judaism. Because it's all about like feeling good and being in love. So when I'm into it, I'm into it. But then again, when I'm not into it, I just simply fall off the wagon and just do whatever I want. Life can't be like that. That's not how the Shabbat Baruch Hu. Ava is wonderful, and when you're not feeling it, Yira says, get out of bed and do what you have to do. I'm not just talking about shit, I'm talking about everything in life. So Yira says, even if you're not feeling it, even if you're not in the mood, even if you're not feeling so well about Baruch Hu, Yira says, you have a job to do. I'm soldier in Kodesh Baruch Hu's army. The general gave me expectations, the general gave me orders, and that's what I have to do. It's great if I feel it, that's Ava, but even if I don't, Yira says, when there's a job to do, I both say, right, I think most of us show up for work even when we're not so in the mood to work. Why? Because as much as your boss might like you, if you don't show up, that liking you is only going to get you so far. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your parnasa. Yira says, get out of bed. Get your act together. You have stuff to do even if you're not feeling it. Yomar Ganzah for the story. Hano Boss there were two Talmidim that were one sitting before Rabbah. Chad Amrlei Akaryun Bachalmoy. Boss, listen to this. These students had a dream. We say, how about we should have dreams like this? So the first student said, the first time it says, you know, I had a dream, and in my dream, there was a voice that was telling me this pasuk that said, how great is the good that you have hidden away for those who revere you. The other one said, it's funny, you should say that I also had a dream, and in my dream, they were reading to me the following pasuk, I heard they were quoting me from the pasuk in Tehillim, Literally, they will rejoice all of those who seek refuge in you. Forever they will go ahead and exalt you. And they will rejoice in those who love your name. So Amaluhu, so Rabbi said to both of them, 
First of all, you're both, both say, can you imagine that you dream about Pesukim? Halavai, we should be Zohar. Right? So, so you, know, you know, it's the famous Vart. Famous Vart. The Gear Rebbe, the Basis, also brings this down. It's been mentioned many times that you see this is the impact of Golos. He points out that at the beginning of last week's parsha, Yaakov Avinu is dreaming about the Sula Mutzavartza. He's dreaming about, ultimately, again, a ladder with angels going up and down. That's the beginning of the parsha. And then by the time he's finished with love, and what is he dreaming about? He's dreaming about sheep. Right? So you see over here, it says the base, you, saw, you see again how sometimes what Golos, what living in the veld does to a person. You begin life with incredible dreams and aspirations of Ruchnius. And then as time goes on, what are you dreaming about? You're dreaming about money. Dreaming about sheep. You're dreaming about Gashmias. That's what happens in life. Halavai. This look, so Rav is saying to these two Talmidim, look how incredible you are. You're both dreaming about Psukim. So what's the difference between you? Amaluta, Vaikhura, Baran Sadiki, Gimuri, Asun Marme Ava. Umar Miira. But the difference is one of you serves a Khadish Parakh out of Ava and one of you serves a Khadish Parakhu out of Yira. Because remember again, one of them on both sides, the Pasak, made mention ultimately again about Yira, Yira Sashem, and the other made reference about Ava Sashem. Therefore he's saying your dreams reflect your different spiritual qualities. One of you serves a Khadish Parakhu out Ava, and one of you serves a Khadish Parakhu out Yira. I just want to end the parak just with a beautiful idea by the Maggid of Mezrich. So the Maggid asked the following question. He says, Remember again, the Gimara says that Avmavinu served a Khadish Parakhu out of Ava. How do we know that? Because the Pasuk in Yeshai refers to Avram Avinu as Avraham Ohavi. So asks the Maggid of Mezrich, why is Avram Avinu out of all the Avos? Why is he given? Why is he given the title of Avram Ohavi? Why is he called the lover of Akalish Baruch? Why is he identified with Avas Hashem? So listen to this. Listen to what the Maggid of Mezrich writes. He writes, Ki because he was born to Terach, and Terach was an idolater. You know, all of us have a part of our father imprinted within us. We are part of our mother also, but much more our father, right? A child starts out often as a reflection of his father. So Avram Avinu was a reflection of Terach. Terach was an incredible idolater. This, and what happens? What Adam Avinu have to do? So it's not the Pshat Adam Avinu just had to find God. Adam Avinu had to change that chilek of his father that was embedded within him into an Oved Hashem. Adam Avinu had a chilek literally of Avodah Zor in him that he had to change around. So the Magid says something absolutely amazing. The Magid says, you know, Yitzchak Avinu was born to a father who was an Avram, and Yaakov was born to a Yitzchak. So they already were born with spiritual DNA. They already had the chilek of their, the chilek of their father. Avram Avinu was born with nothing. See, we often say Avram Avinu was born into, a, into an idolatrous home. It's not the Peshat that he was just born into an idolatrous home. He was born into an idolatrous home, and there was a, his father, the DNA of his father, was embedded within him. He had idolatrous DNA. And Avram Avinu had to literally fundamentally not just change his circumstances, he had to change himself. The Ribbono Shal Olam says, a person, a person who is born with Gentile, not Gentile, but idolatrous DNA, or a person who is born with spiritually negative DNA, and does whatever they can, everything and anything in their power to change themselves, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's Ohavi. That's someone who loves me. Someone who grows up in a home, or grows up in a family that nurtures spirituality, as Rosh HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's great also. But the truth is, they already began life with a leg up. But someone who goes ahead and actively swims against the current and changes the chilek of their ab that is within them, someone who goes through such Herculean strides and struggles to be able to have a relationship with me, who says, 
That's someone who loves me, and ultimately that's someone who I love. The Beis actually goes on, he says, that's why, that's why we end the first bracha of Shmona Esrei with Magin Avram. He says again, Bechachosmin, that at the end of the day, as much as we make reference to all of the Avos, at the end of the day, we most identify with Avram Avinu. Because they both said the truth is, and this is amazing, again, if we had more time, I do want to finish the daf today. But I just think, right, I just got a little carried away on legal holidays. But, 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 we have to remember Thanksgiving for this. This is Ain Thanksgiving Gedola Mizo. So, I was like, just so you understand, what the, the Beis Yisrael says, that when we see Magin Avram, what we're saying is, Ribono Shal Olam, each of us struggles with a terach. Right, Jabosa, right? We, all, we each have a terach within. Sometimes it's because of the families in which you grew up, and sometimes it's because of the circumstances in which we place ourselves. Everyone has a little bit of Avodah Zarah implanted within their body, implanted within their neshama. And our job in life is to rail against the Yitzhara within, to rail against the Terach within. And lest you think that it can't be done, Baruch Atu Hashem Magin Avram. Avram O'Avi. Avram Avinu is our inspiration because he taught us that no matter how much Avodah Zarah you have within, no matter how much of the negative Av I have within, I always have the ability now to fight against it, but ultimately to overcome it. And I to overcome it, you know, sometimes I think to myself, well, all right, even if I overcome it, but still I'm never going to compare it to someone who's the, you know, who never had the Terach within them. It's not true. Because what HaKadosh Baruch Hu appreciates most in life are those who have the Terach within, but those who find the courage to fight against it and ultimately overcome it. That's how you become in love with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and beloved by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hadron Allah, Kishem Shamayim. Baiter. Says the Mishnah, Mishe Kineli Ishto. So we'll say again, back to, back to Sota, someone who warned his wife in Istira. So we'll say again, now we're back to regular Sota. What's happening over here? A man went ahead and warned his wife against being alone with a particular man. And what happened? She violated the warning. So it's actually very interesting. Even if he literally hears that she went ahead and she violated the warning from a bird fluttering around in the sky, he divorces her and gives her a de Rabbi Elazar. Now what does that mean? So Rashi points out, if you remember, we know Rabbi Eliezer from the first Mishnah in the Da, in, in the Masechta. What did Rabbi Eliezer say in the first Mishnah in the Masechta? Rabbi Eliezer asking that you do not need Eidos for Stira. You do not need Eidos ultimately for seclusion. But even Eid Echad or even anyone ultimately again. So that's what he means when he says an O fluttering in the sky. That if he hears that she violated the warning from anyone, Lemaise, that's grounds ultimately for divorce and give her the ksuva. I will say, whenever we say divorce and give her the ksuva, of course what that means is if he chooses not to give her to drink, or if she chooses not to drink. Meaning, obviously, the process is mesota, but if for some reason mesota can't happen, he divorces her, she loses her ksuba. Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua says, Rabbi Yeshua says, no, until when? Until ultimately the women speak about her in public. Now, both say, now this is very interesting. So, again, all that's happening over here is our Mishnah is, <coughs> our Mishnah is really just rehashing the same exact machlokis we had in the opening Mishnah in the Mesechta. So again, we have Rabbi Eliezer saying that essentially if she violates the warning, even without Eidos, and again, we'll see in the Gemara, even Ebed, even Shifcha, ultimately they are believed, and Lemaissa again, Lemaissa again, she violates the warning, and therefore that triggers the Sota process. Rabbi Yeshua Rabbi was the one who said that you need proper Eidos for violation of Stira as well. So he said proper Eidos or 
until her indiscretion becomes so well known that everyone is speaking about it. That's the Lushan over here, Muzaros Until literally the women who go ahead and you know spin their wool, spin their yarn under the moon, under the moonlight. That refers to the Yentas. So if everybody is speaking about her indiscretions, it's public knowledge, that's tantamount to what? That's tantamount again to having two witnesses testifying that she has violated the warning. Opposite the Gemara goes right there. Similarly, if one witness came along and said, not, not, not seclusion, I saw that she committed adultery, right? I saw literally that she committed adultery with a man. So what's the halacha? Again, she would not drink. In other words, if you have eight echad that says that she committed adultery, she doesn't drink. Not only that, but even if the eight echad is an evet or a shifcha, people who are normally possible for edus, so they are believed and she would not drink. Now, also remember, in any case where there's eight echad, obviously you're not going to execute her for adultery based on eight echad, but what can you do? Again, essentially the Qualifies her from the Sota process. So the Gemara says, Not only does she not drink, but again, her husband would divorce her, and this Eid Echad goes ahead and prevents her from getting her Ksuba. But I understand what the Mishnah is saying over here is that the criteria for Eid Echad are significantly diminished. The reason for that is why? Because since at the end of the day we have Raglaim Ladavar, there's circumstantial evidence. What's the circumstantial evidence? Because there was Kinoi, there was warning, there was Stira, and she violated the Stira. So now that she violated the Stira, there's Raglaim Ladavar, there's circumstantial evidence that adultery did happen, and therefore if you have an Eid Echad, one witness that says she really did commit adultery, even if that Eid Echad is not normally a kosher Eid, we believe the Eid Echad, he has to divorce her, she can't drink with Eid Echad, and she loses her However, remember from our Yivamis days that there are certain women that are even in situations where Eid Echad is believed, there are certain women who are not believed to give Eidos regarding another woman. Why? Because they are assumed to be locked in a constant state of marital tension with this woman. So for example, if her mother-in-law, the woman's mother-in-law says, it's interesting, by the way, how certain relationship dynamics, they're, they're not new. It's just fascinating to see. So again, a woman and her mother-in-law, there's an auto, a, automatic assumed tension over there. So if the mother-in-law says, I saw my daughter-in-law commit adultery, or Bas Chamosa, or a sister-in-law says it, Vitsarasa, co-wife, Yivimta, Yivimta is, is essentially the wife of the husband's brother. A woman who technically, under certain circumstances, can become the co-wife of this accused woman. All of these women, or Bas Baila, or the daughter of her husband. So I'll say all of these women are assumed not to like the wife of the husband. So if any of these women testify that the wife indeed committed adultery, so they are believed. But they're only believed to force the dissolution of the marriage, but they are not believed ultimately again to go ahead and make the woman lose her ksuva, but they are believed ultimately again to preclude the woman from drinking the water. So for example, Abosai, again, so in this case, husband would have warned the wife, wife went ahead and violated the warning. One of these women comes along and says, not only did she violate the warning, but what? I saw she committed adultery. So that testimony by itself will preclude the accused woman from drinking the waters. We'll also trigger the need for divorce but will not cause her to lose her ksuva. Shahayu bedin. So the Gemara because we could have made a kavachom. What's the kavachomer? Umam edus rishon sheino sarte iser olam. We both say when it comes to the first edus. Now the first edus in this context refers to stira. When it comes to the edus about stira, sheino sarte iser olam that does not go ahead and asser her forever because she could drink the water even if she violates the stira yet. 
Eina miskayemis papachos mishnaim. So I wrote the Rabosai. So when it comes to stira, stira requires to aid him, and that stira doesn't even ask her forever. So edos achrona, the, the last edos, I'm say the last edos ultimately refers to edos regarding if she committed adultery. Shal sarta isra which does go ahead and ask her forever. Eino din I would have thought for sure again, it cannot be upheld with less than two witnesses. Yet we know that's not true. Yet even Eid Echad is believed by Tumah to say that she committed adultery. Tamud Lomar, Ve'eid Ein Ba. Therefore, the Pasuk says, Ve'eid Ein Ba. There is no witness about her. Kol Eid Shishma. So we're gonna, the Gemara is going to explain this drasha, but we've seen this already. Eid Ein Ba, the Gemara is going to say, Eid means two witnesses. Eid Ein Ba, there are no two witnesses, but if there was when one witness, then Eid Achinami, one witness would be believed. So both say, so what we're holding right now is, fundamental machlok sitin Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua, as to the nature of testimony necessary for stira. Rabbi, Eli, Rabbi Eliezer is of the opinion that you don't need formal edos for stira. Any type of edos works, and any type of edos ultimately, again, will trigger the sota process and will cause her to lose her ksuva. Rabbi Yoshua says, no, you need formal edos for stira as well. Two witnesses, the only exception is, is if her stira is so well known that everyone is talking about it, then Lamaisa, that is tantamount to two witnesses speaking about it. Next, again, I will say we've seen that when it comes to Tumah, when it comes to testimony about her actually committing adultery, apparently, again, everyone will agree that even Eid Echad works, and even women who we normally don't believe will be believed to prevent her from drinking the waters, but will not be believed to cause her to lose her ksuba. So the says, the The truth is, you could have made a Kalvachomer the other way. It's Kalvachomer the other way. The Kalvachomer the Eidos Harishona. I could have made a Kalvachomer the Eidos Harishona. Again, remember, refer to stira. So the Gemara says, Me'ata uma'im edos omad beis. Uma'am edos achrono shosarte isr olam. Harihim is chemis pe'ed echad. So when it comes to edos achrona, edos achrona refers to tumah. When it comes to tumah, meaning actual testimony that she committed adultery, when it comes to that edos, which I'm say, that edos will ask her to her husband forever, and yet miskaimis pe'ed echad, it's upheld with the testimony of one witness. When it comes to ultimately which is stira, which does not ask her forever. In other words, there's a way out of that, namely, again, through drinking the waters. Then certainly, again, it should be upheld with one witness. Therefore, the Pasuk says, Ki matza The Pasuk Rabose, when it comes to Stira, says that he will find regarding her an ervas dover, some matter of, of immorality. And yet, by the other, and yet again, by normal testimony, we we'll call it by financial, by monetary testimony, it says on the basis of two witnesses, the matter will be upheld. Just like by financial, by monetary testimony, you need two witnesses. So to Matzabah Ervasdavar tells me that for Stira, I need two witnesses. So both sides, you understand? We have two incredible drushas now. So first of all, let's go in order. So Matzabah Ervasdavar We've learned this already. It says, just like by Bible, just like by monetary law, I need two witnesses. So too, again, by stira, I need two witnesses as well. In fact, again, we're going to see, at least according to 
Rabbi Yoshua, that Dabar teaches me that by Kinoi and by Stira, I need two witnesses. But when it comes to Tumah, when it comes to testimony about the fact that she may have actually committed adultery, then I have the drasha of what? Aid Ein Ba. And Aid Ein Ba teaches me that what? That Lamaisa, there are no witnesses. But even if there's one witness, one witness has the ability ultimately to find her in liable ultimately for adultery. Now, when we see liable, that means it will preclude her from drinking the Mesota. That's number one. And will cause her to lose her Ksuba. So the Gemara goes weiter. Eid Echa, Eid Omer Nitmes, Eid Omer Lo Nitmes. So what's an interesting case? Let's say you have an Eid Echad. You have an Eid Echad. One witness says, that she committed adultery. Once again, not just theater, she committed adultery. So one witness says she committed adultery, another witness says she did not. So, or Isha Omeris Nitmes, Isha Omeris Lo Nitmes, or one woman says, now we have women testifying, one woman says, the woman, the accused, did commit adultery, the other one says she did not. What's the halacha? Haisa Shosa. So we'll say in that case, essentially, they cancel each other out, and therefore what? And therefore, again, it goes back to status quo, and Lamai says she drinks. Because all, all we have, the testimonies cancel each other out, and therefore she drinks the mesota. Fine, we'll, we're going to challenge that in the Gemara. Echad omer nitmes, ushnayim omrum no nitmes. What happens if one witness says that she committed adultery, and two witnesses says she did not? Therefore, what's the halacha? Haisa shosa. She would drink in that case. Shnayim omer nitmes. If two witnesses says she did commit adultery and one says she did not, she would not go ahead and drink. Fine, so we'll discuss the need for those particular cases in just a little bit. Says the Gemara, So asks the Gemara, I don't understand. You learned out the fact, the Mishnah learned out the fact, that you need two witnesses for Kinui from the Gzeir Shava of Dover Dover. Asks the Gemara, I don't need a Gzeir Shava. Why don't you need a Gzeir Shava? Because I have a Pasuk. I have a Pasuk. What's the Pasuk? The Gemara says, Tamun Lomar, Ba. Ba v'lo b'kinui, ba v'lo b'stira. But remember we had this. We spent a lot of time on this. The Pasuk says, Ba. So Ba teaches me that what? Eid Echad only works by Tumah. But Eid Echad will not work by Kinui. And Eid Echad will not work by Stira. So what the Gemara is asking, we would normally assume that you would only use Xerah Shava when, only if you don't have a Pasuk. But here I have a Pasuk that teaches me that I require two witnesses by Kino and by Stira. So Ba, Ba teaches the Eid Echad only works by Tumah, but by Eid Echad doesn't work by any of the other cases. So I need Xerah Shava. To which the Gemara says, Hachanami, come, you're right. Talmud Lomar, Ba, 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 Stira. You're right, Enoch, Nara, we learn out, we learn out that you need two witnesses by Kinui and two witnesses by Stira by Ba. Because we also remember, what's the Ba? The Ba is the Eid Ein Ba. Eid Ein Ba teaches us that what? That Eid Echad works by Tumah, but by Echad doesn't work anywhere else. So, right, that, that's how I know that Eid Echad works. Eid, Eid Ein Ba teaches me that Eid Echad works by Tumah, but Eid Echad does not work by Kinui and by Stira. So why do we need the Gzeir Shava? The Tumah Ba'alma below Kinui below Stira, Delo Mehemen Eid Echad Minalon. So I say, how do I know that Tumah Ba'alma? Both say Tumah Ba'alma means... Let's say, forget about Sota for just a moment. Let's say, let's say an Eid Echad shows up in Bezin and says, I saw that Rachel committed adultery. I saw Rachel committed adultery. How do I know that an Eid Echad is not believed under those circumstances? Ne'emar kan davar, ne'emar lahalan davar. Oh, that's the Gzeru Shava of davar davar. <coughs> it says davar over here, ki ba ervas davar, and it says davar by mamon, ma lahalon bishne'edim, 
Just like over there by, by Dine Mamanus, by financial law, it's talking about two witnesses. So too over here, So this is amazing. Just follow this. So here's what we have. The idea, the idea, the idea that by Tuma, Eid Echad is enough. We're going to learn out from the phrase, the Eid Ein Ba. There is no testimony about her. And we're going to dash in just a moment that even the Eid Echad is believed to say that by Tuma that she committed adultery by a Sota. But how do I know by a non-Sota case? In a general case, where one witness shows up and says that a woman committed adultery, how do I know that then one witness is not believed in a non-Sota context? That's davar davar. It says ki ba ervas davar, and it says api shnayim edim yakum davar. Just like by monetary law, davar means two witnesses. So too by ki ba ervas davar means two witnesses as well. I aid Omer nitmes. So they were also listen to this. So remember again, the Gemara says the Mishnah gave the case over. You have one witness who says that she committed adultery, and one witness says she did not commit adultery. So we'll say, so what's the halach in such a case like that? Essentially, the Mishnah says that what they cancel each other out, and she drinks. Says the Gemara, time to come The reason why she drinks is because there's a second witness who contradicts the first. But you see from here that what if there was not a second witness contradicting the first, then that one witness would be believed. One witness would be believe to say that what? That she committed adultery. So the Gemara says, how do we know that one witness is believed? Ultimately, to go out and commit, so we're working a little bit backwards. So how do we know that one witness is believed by Tumah? How do I know that one witness is believed to say that she committed adultery? When we say, by the way, what does it mean when we say one witness is believed by Tumah? What does that mean? It means that we believe that one witness one witness is believed to say that she committed adultery, namely, that the SOTA process is done. It comes to a screeching halt, he must divorce her, and she loses her ksuva. Where do we know that from? The Tan Rabbanon, the Eid, Ein Ba, the Pasik says, the Pasik says, there is no witness about her. So the Pasek is referring to the fact that there are not two witnesses. So the Gemara says, You'll say it's two witnesses. Maybe it's not two witnesses. Maybe eight in Ba means that there's not even one witness. The Pasek says that in general, an eight Echad may not get, get up to give testimony about a particular individual. And say, had the Pasek not said the Echad, but the Pasek would have just said, a witness can't get up and give testimony. Rabbi say, aid the singular. I would have known that it's referring to what? To a single witness. So why does the Pasek have to add in the word Echad? Rabbi say, it's a Binyan Av. Binyan Av is essentially the creation of a paradigm. So Binyan Av means you create a paradigm, and that paradigm ultimately serves everything else. What's the paradigm? Generally, the paradigm tells us like this. Anytime the Torah uses the word aid, aid means two, two witnesses, even though it's singular. Until the Torah specifically tells you echad. Listen to this. So now let's plug this back into Sota. Every single time the Torah says aid, aid really means what? Two. So therefore, when the Pasuk says by Sota, the aid ain't ba. Aid ain't ba means what? 
There are not two witnesses. I, but what? But if, but there's one witness, and if there's one witness, Vihilon is pas, and she was not coerced, meaning she was not violated, then Asura. So we'll say, what do you see from here? You see from here that an Eid Echad works by Tuma, by Sota, that if an Eid Echad says, Nitmes, that she was defiled, ultimately, again, that brings the Sota process to a screeching halt, requires the dissolution of the marriage, and she loses her Ksuva. I said, now watch this, child. So, so this is very exciting. Not just because of the breakfast. But this is very exciting because, again, this is like Yisodistic stuff by Sota. So understand what we've done. We've now established that I require two witnesses for Kinui, two witnesses for Astira, at least according to the first thing in the Mishnah. And we've now established that what? That Eid Echad works by Tumah. That if an Eid Echad comes along and says that I saw that when she was secluded with Ploni, there was Bia. She actually committed adultery. We believe that Eid Echad. We don't believe the Eid Echad to execute her. We don't believe the Eid Echad to teach the adulteress. But we believe the Eid Echad to say that the process has come to a screeching halt. No administering of the waters. Divorce. No ksuva. So watch this. Now that we've established that, says the Gemara, get ready for this kasha. Listen to the shayla. So if you're going to tell me that an Eid Echad is believed, now I will say, understand, whenever you believe in Eid Echad, that means an Eid Echad has the power of what? Of as many as, as regular Eidos. So if that's the case, watch this. What was the case in the Mishnah? case in the Mishnah was, woman had stira, woman was secluded with a man, age shows up and says, she committed adultery, she committed, I saw her, I saw, I saw the Bia, and then a second aide comes along and says that what? Nothing happened during the stira. So what did the Mishnah say? They cancel each other out, and she drinks. Asks the Gemara, why is that? After the first aide gives his testimony, how could the second aide contradict him? After all, the Ha'amr Ula, listen to what Ula said, wherever the Torah believed one aide, Rabbi say, whenever the Torah vests an aide echad with believability, I don't know if believability is a word. Bencion? Credibility. Bencion? Believability? No, I'm asking about believability. I don't know about credibility. I'm like the Amchadish. Yeah? That's the, I think you said yes. Right? So, 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 when you go ahead, when you go ahead and the first aid has believability, Mamish, when he's believed, then what? Then he is believed like two. If he's believed like two, I'll say that what happens when the second aid shows up? Second aid should just simply be dismissed. Because we already have established Eidos. And therefore, I will say, see, here's what's interesting. What the Gemara is positing over here is that the first Eid Echad is believed like two, and the second Eid Echad is believed like one. And therefore, again, the first one should be believed, and the second one should be dismissed. But that's not what the Mishnah said. Ula changes the Mishnah. And Ula says, in the case where an Eid Echad says she committed adultery, and then the second Eid Echad comes along and says that she didn't, that Talacha, she doesn't drink. Why doesn't she drink? Because we accept the testimony of the first Eid Echad, and therefore, again, he's believed like two witnesses. Therefore, again, so the process is off, and we don't care about what the second Eid says. The text of the Mishnah stands that when the first eight says that she committed adultery and second eight says that she did not commit adultery under those circumstances, what? We will give her to drink. So what does Rebchia do? Rebchia has Ula's kasha. Because what did Ula say? Ula paskind that when you have an Eid Echad, whenever the Torah believes in Eid Echad, so that Eid Echad has the power of two witnesses. If that's the case, then when the first guy comes and gives his testimony, he should be accepted like two witnesses, and therefore what? when the second guy shows up, what should we do with the second guy's testimony? What should we do with it? Ignore it. So what does Abkhiyah do with that? Lokasha. 
Because that's not a kasha, and I'll tell you why. Kan bebasachos, kan bezeachazeh. Both say, this is amazing. Look at Rashi for just a moment. Kan bebasachos, masnisin kesheidu shnein besoch kedei dibor, debatlu dvarov miyadalonis kamidusom abeizdin. Both say, listen to this. First, when both of these guys show up at the same time, bebasachos, they're giving their testimony. Rashi actually says that it's toch kedei dibor of one another. Then what? That's when they cancel each other out, which makes sense, logically. They're both coming with conflicting testimony, and they both recite that testimony, toch kedei dibor, within one another. They cancel each other out. So I'll say that's when the Mishnah says that what? Her, that she drinks. Because when they cancel each other out, she's restored back to her previous status, which was suffolk. And the only way to resolve the suffolk is how? Through the drinking of the waters. However, again... But Jabo say, what happens if they go ahead and they come zechazeh? Zechazeh means like this: that lemaisa again. Guy number one shows up and says she committed adultery. So in that case, we believe Eidachot. His testimony is like what? Like two witnesses. Then when the second guy comes along, fifteen minutes later, we ignore him. Why do we ignore him, Rabosai? We ignore him because lemaisa again. We've already accepted the testimony of the first one. Rabosai. Now when I when why say we ignore him? Now obviously, if that second guy comes along and essentially says the first guy could not have given that testimony because like an Edom Zomamin he was with us, then Enochinami will call the first guy's testimony into question but if the first guy came along and said she committed adultery, and second guy and again we accept his testimony like to Edom, then the mice again when the second guy comes along and says she didn't commit adultery, the halacha would be, at least according to this approach now, that we would not accept that second guy's testimony. So again, if they come by basachos, they cancel each other out. If they come b'za'achazah, the first one is already believed like two, and therefore his testimony is accepted. So tenan. So the Mishnah quoted, eight omar nitmes, ushnaim omar no nitmes. So both second, let's just go for a few more minutes. I know it's late. We'll stop literally in two minutes. So eight omer nitmes. If one witness says that she committed adultery, ushnaim omrim no nitmes, and two say that she did not commit adultery. So what's the halacha? Haisa shosa. In that case, what would happen? She would drink. She would drink. Because why? Because again, you have the two witnesses saying that she did not that she did not commit adultery. Ha chad vichad lo haisa shosa. We could infer from that that what that if it was one against one, she would not drink. She would not drink. What does that show you? That poses a refutation to Rabchiyah. But look at the end of the Mishnah. But look at the end of the Mishnah. That if what? Two witnesses say that she, that she, that she committed adultery. And one says that she did not. She would not drink. What can you infer from there? You could infer from there what Rabbi said. That if it was one against one, she would drink. So the point of is the Gemara is pointing out that the Mishnah has contradictory inferences. Elakula bipsule edus. Oh, we'll say now watch this. Says the Gemara, the entire Mishnah is talking about a different kind of case. All the cases over here are dealing with psule edus. Psule edus means what? Talking about people who are coming to give testimony who are not normally kosher to go ahead and give testimony. And our Mishnah facts of Rabbi Nechemia. What did Rabbi Nechemia say? Desanya, Rabbi Nechemia, Omer, get ready for this. Oh, 
Mind-blowing. Rabbi Nechemia says that Rabbi any situation where the Torah goes ahead and believes in Eid Echad, essentially, when you believe one, a, one, a singular witness, what that is saying, Rabbi Nechemia says, is all bets are off. In other words, that once you're believing one witness, what you're saying is you're operating outside of the normal construct of testimonial law. Now, what does that mean? Once you're operating out of the normal construct and framework of testimonial law, it becomes a numbers game. It's all about which side has more people supporting its opinion. That's what it means. Halach acha rov deos. Meaning, once we're no longer concerned about the character or the quality of witnesses, it becomes a numbers game. Whichever side has the greatest number of people supporting its particular opinion, that is the side that wins in halacha. Now watch this. And therefore, again, two women testifying against one man are no different. Like two men testifying against one. So you know what we'll say? In other words, once you, you understand this chap, Ben Sion, tell me if this terminology makes sense. Once you're operating outside of the conceptual framework and construct of the regular laws, normative laws of testimony, so all bets are off. Good formulation? Good. Right? So you say, so these are everything I should, I should add in a TM afterwards. You know, this is intellectual property of the Shul's Dafyomi. So the, the, the idea over here, so you hear what's happening over here? Once you say that Eid Echad works, so that means you're operating out of the normative framework of Eidos. Once you're operating out of the normative framework of Eidos, so then we no longer look at the individual's identity. Instead, what do we look at? The collective number of people that are siding with any one opinion. Therefore, in any case you believe Eid Echad, two women are no different than two men, right? Two men giving testimony is as two men, because again, because now it becomes a numbers game. So watch this. The Gemara says the following. The Amri, others say, so both say, so therefore again, that's the Mishnah. So therefore the Mishnah, when it speaks out two versus one, we're dealing with Pesulei Eidos. And therefore again, in these cases where you have two who say that she committed adultery and one who says that she did not, they won't drink. We don't care who the two are. Even if it's two women who say that she did not commit adultery and it's one man, Two women versus one man, again, in these type of halachos, the two women are stronger because they have the numbers. There are those who say, let's just finish this up. Others say that, no, wherever you have an eid echad kosher, and that eid echad is first, that even ultimately, again, if you have a hundred women that come afterwards, those hundred women are still considered to be like an eid echad. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, kosher so, others say that what the Mishnah is teaching me is the following. When an Eid Echad shows up and an Eid Echad gives Eidos, and that Eidos was accepted, and therefore afterwards a hundred women came, those hundred women are no, no stronger than an Eid Echad. So, the other opinion says, no. You know what the principle of the Mishnah is? The principle of the Mishnah is like this. That whenever you believe Eid Echad, Eid Echad is believed like two. And once you lock that in, it's locked in. And even if a hundred women come along later on, those hundred women are still considered to be like what? Eid Echad. So you have two Eidim, the one Eid that's treated like two, against an Eid Echad. And therefore, again, top of Lama Days, let's finish the parak. What are we dealing with over here? Kigon da'asoi isha me'ikara. The case that we're dealing with in the Mishnah is a woman came at first. And on both sides, Rashi points out, this woman came along, this woman comes along and says that the woman who was secluded with the man committed adultery. And afterwards, two Aden Psulim came along and said that she's Tahora. So watch this. And on this like this, wherever the Torah believes one witness, we look at the majority, we look at numbers. 
And therefore, we treat two women testifying about one woman no different than two men testifying about a man. But I will say, if you have two women against one man, then then that's like a split. They are of equal power. So the Gemara asks, So what say? So it asks the Gemara, Why do I need two cases? Look at Rashi. So I will say, if you notice again, the Mishnah illustrates the same case in two ways. In other words, the Mishnah is telling me that whenever I'm dealing with Eid Echad, so Eid Echad tells me that even P'sule Eidos, even people who can't normally give Eidos are trusted, and therefore it becomes a numbers game. So the Mishnah illustrates that case, that, that principle in two different ways. Right? The first way it illustrated was, an Eid Echad says that she committed adultery, and two say that she did not. So the Mishnah says, she drinks. Similarly, if two witnesses say she committed adultery, and one witness said that she did not, she drinks. I will say it's the same principle. What's the principle? That once you enter into the realm, bless you, once you enter into the realm of Eid Echad, we no longer look at the quality of the individuals testifying. Rather, again, we just look at numbers. So why do you have to teach me the same concept twice? So the Gemara says, What would I have thought? I might have thought that when do we say we look at the numbers? That's only the Chumrah. But when it yields a Kula, I would have thought that we don't. Kamash no. said that once we, once we delve into the world of Eid Echad, once delve into the world of Eid Echad, then what? Then it becomes a numbers game, and therefore whichever side has the greatest numbers ultimately wins, whether that result creates a Chumrah or a Kula. Abbasai said, just listen to this. Halacha how do we paskin? So listen to this Rambam. So the Rambam writes, let's bring it up here. So the Rambam writes, this is in, this is in Perak Aleph of Hilchos Sota, so, Bose, listen to this. Let me just read to you three quick halachos. So, Bose, first of all, if an Eidachet came on, so first of all, you know, the way we pass, and we already established this in the beginning of the parak. we pass in that you require two witnesses for Kinui, two witnesses for Stira. That's how we paskin. Listen to this case. If an Eid Echad came along and said the woman committed adultery, So if an Eid Echad comes and says she committed adultery, again, Eid Ein Ba. Just remember that. If you remember anything from this Masechta, you're going to remember Eid Ein Ba. Say it after me. I'm just kidding. Eid Ein Ba, right? So Eid Ein Ba teaches me that Lamaisa again, bless you, an Eid Echad is believed by Tumah. That if an Eid Echad shows up and says she committed adultery, Sota process comes to an end. She does not drink divorce, no Ksuva. Watch this. I will say, what happens if now a second Eid Echad comes along and contradicts the first Eid Echad and says, no, she did not commit adultery? Then what's Talacha? Listen to the Rambam. Ein Shominlo. We do not listen to that second Eid Echad. She'eid Echad betuma sota kishnayim ve'ein devarav shal acharon dochin divarishin shal b'shnayim. So we'll say, we pass Galoch Lamaisa that once we believe in Eid Echad and Eid Echad is treated like what? Like two witnesses. Therefore, once the first guy comes along and says, she committed adultery, that's locked in. That's locked in, and therefore, once the other Eid Echad comes in, we don't listen. I'll say again, with the caveat that one, like I said to you before, if the second Eid Echad comes along and says to the first Eid Echad, buddy, impossible, you're with me at Tafyomi, you could not have seen. In general, if you come to Dafyomi, you avoid a lot of problems. <laughs> so uh, you could not have seen what you say you saw because you're with me. Then that's a different case. But assuming he's not contradicting the fact that the Eid Echad saw it, he's just contradicting the Metzios. Eid Echad is once he's believed, he's believed like two. 
testimony is locked in, we ignore the second eight echad. Next case in the Rambam. Ba'ushteim ke'echad. Oh, this is great. So what happens if, however, eight echad one and eight echad two come at the same time? Ze'omer nitmeis, ze'omer nitmeis, o'sha amar echad nitmeis, u'ba'ushteim achir, ma'amulon nitmeis, harizah shos. Ba'ushteim, listen to this. However, if they're coming, if they're coming, ba'ushteim, if eight echad one and eight echad two are coming at the same time, then what? Then the Rambam passes like the Gemara, they cancel each other out. Okay? The third case, Shramam groups together, is Ed Echad comes along and says she committed adultery. And then two witnesses came along and said that she did not commit adultery. Then Abosa, in that case, what? In that case where you have a real two witnesses, those two real witnesses will trump the Ed Echad. So again, remember, Ed Echad by himself is treated like two. So if Ed Echad gives his testimony, and then sometimes later, not Babasachas, the second Ed Echad comes along, we do not, we do not listen to the first, second Ed Echad, we trust the first. If the two witnesses will ever come at the same time, they can't each other out. If, however, it's an Eid Echad, verse Shnei Eidim, then the Shnei Eidim, the two kosher witnesses will negate the testimony of the Eid Echad. Next case where this will end, Ba Eid, this is so exciting, Ba Eid Echad Kosher, because you never know like, what's going to happen next. Ba Eid Echad Kosher. What if you have an Eid Echad who's a Kosher? V'noshim Rabos O'Psulim Rabim so we'll say, listen to this. What happens if you have the following case? You have an eight echad kosher, so a man shows up, man shows up, and on the other hand, you have opposing testimony of a whole bunch of women or anyone else who's not normally able to give testimony. And what happens? And what happens? So we'll say, in this case, the eight echad is saying that what? The eight is saying she committed adultery, and the group of women is saying that she did not commit adultery. What's the halacha? Hareza shosa. She drinks. Why? This is very interesting. Because you're say, if you have an Eid Echad versus what? A whole group of Psulim, they cancel each other out. In other words, that an Eid Echad, an Eid Echad Kasher, and a group of Psulim is essentially the same thing as two Eid Echads that come Bebas Achad. So a group of women is no worse, this doesn't really sound right, but is no worse, right, don't say this part over at the Shabbos table, right? A group of women is no worse than a regular kosher Eid Echad. And therefore, again, they cancel each other out. Let's just do one last case, and with this, I'm I'll let you go. How you cool up, this, this really, mostly, this is just exciting, because just so you should know, there's no greater Gishak, it's the greatest thing in life, like when you learn a sugya, and then you see it, Halacha Lamaisa. See, you see the Ramah Mamish saying it. Last case, this is it. How you cool up, Adam Dov, don't go, don't go. This is it, this is it. Hayukulam Sulim. This might come up, and then you're going to say, oh, I didn't learn that. So, Hayukulam Sulim. So, Hayukulam Sulim. Let's say everybody is possible. Let's say, again, in all these cases until now, I'm dealing with someone who's a kosher. Now, let's say I'm dealing with a case where everybody's possible. Everybody in voluntary testimony is possible. What's Ta'alach HaRabosai? Halach Achar Harov. So I will say, so again, when you have one of the witnesses who's kosher, so again, if you have one witness who's kosher, if the two kosher witnesses come at the same time, they cancel each other out. If they come at separate times, we believe the first guy, don't believe the second guy. If you have an eight echad kosher and a whole group of non kshirim, again, bavasachas, they cancel each other out. Let's say there are no kshirim in the picture. All psulim, right? All psulim. Women, avadim, whoever else. What's talacha? Then it becomes a numbers game. Ketzad, shtein nashim omros nitmes, vishalosh omros lo nitmes, harizeshosa. If you have two women saying she committed adultery and three women saying that she did not commit adultery, then what happens? Numbers game. We go after the three, she drinks. Shalosh omros lo nitmes, va'arba omros nitmes, harizeshosa, harizeshosa. So again, once you're with psulim, then it's halach achar rov deos. Once you're with people who can't give testimony, then it becomes a numbers game. We look ultimately again as who has the majority. Hayamech 
mechza. If it's the same number of people on each side, then hari zeshosa. Then ultimately, again, they cancel each other out. She drinks. Hadrun alach mishekine. We'll say mazel tov. We finished all parak today. Baruch Hashem. Um, all right. Shkoyah.